Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We continue on in the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. And we're seeing John's account of the of various events uh, that occurred uh, when Jesus was arrested, when he was brought before various people for trials and things like that. He was killed, he was crucified, he was buried, and now they've discovered that the body is gone. Okay, the body's gone. And Jesus is appearing to people. He's appeared to Mary Magdalene. And this is in the Gospel of John. We will go and uh, check out the other Gospels <clears throat> as we go along to see what they have to say. But this passage today, I tell you, this is John chapter 20, verse 19. There's a couple of things here that often people just just skip right over and they just read right through and they don't pay any attention to. And I tell you, I think they're profound. I think they have things to say to us today as the body of Christ as to how we are to live, okay, what it means to live in the kingdom of God now. So let's just look at this, John chapter 20, verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, this is the day when Jesus was resurrected, his body has been reported to be missing. And when the doors were shut where the disciples were, so this is where some of the disciples were, not all of them. We're about to find out that not all of them were there. Uh, but they were in the room and the doors were shut. Or they're in the house and the doors were shut. Why were the doors shut? Well, the next part of the verse tells us the doors were shut for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. So Jesus appears in the middle of wherever they are. The doors are shut, the idea being, hey, they're fearing the Jews because the Jews had just killed their leader. So they feared them. Jesus appears in the midst of them. Verse 20, and when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now, we'll do this in the next episode, but down in verse 24, we find out that Thomas was not with them at this time. We also know that Judas had already abandoned him. So the most it could have been as far as the disciples were 12. There's also this thing that a lot of times we want to assume that when it says disciples, that it means and is limited to just the 12. And we've already seen that the word disciple just simply means one who's a learner. And you have to look at the context to see what the meaning is and what's occurring and what's happening. More than likely within the context of what John's been talking about, because from the 13th chapter onward, he's been uh, speaking of what Jesus was saying uh, to the group that was traveling with him. But it could have been others among them. You know, nowhere in the scripture does it say that the ladies weren't present with him when they had the last meal together. You know, for the longest time, I thought it was just the men. But it doesn't say that. It could have been other people in there with them. They were disciples, not just the 12. But here we see that it's just described as disciples. They're rejoicing. Verse 21, now hang on here. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So he spoke peace be with you the first time. He spoke peace be with you. Why would, Why the need to do this? He's dead, folks. Three days and three nights. Now reports come back that somebody's had an encounter with him and has had a conversation with him, Mary Magdalene here in the case of the gospel. That's what we just saw in the previous verses. And they don't really believe. 
we'll see in another gospel that they really didn't believe the reports of the ladies initially. And so now Jesus does appear, and he's speaking peace upon them. Why? Because there's tremendous turmoil happening with them right now. They are terrified. They don't know what's occurring. They're having a hard time putting this all together. He says it again, peace with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, this is really, really important. Verses 21, 22, and 23. Jesus is speaking to these disciples, uh, primarily probably the ones, that uh, the apostolic disciples, but there might have been other ones around. And he's saying, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So what's the context? Jesus is telling them on the first day that he's resurrected that he's sending them. He said, in the same way that Father has sent me, he sent me to earth, and he sent me to bring forth the words of the kingdom of God, and I did. In the same way, I'm sending you. Now watch this, John chapter 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, said what? As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Receive the Holy Spirit. On the first day that he's resurrected, Jesus appears to some group of disciples. We cannot dogmatically say exactly who it was. We can dogmatically say that Thomas wasn't there. <coughs> and I can tell you it was likely the 10 minus 11 minus Thomas. They're gathered together in this room, and he says, I'm sending you forth in the same way the Father has sent me. And then he says, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathes on them. Most of the church today believes that the Holy Spirit was not given to the body of Christ, to the church, to disciples, until the day of Pentecost, some 50 days later. Okay? And that's not true. At least for these disciples right here, Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. One of the other Gospels that we'll see later, Jesus tells them to stay in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And that occurred in the second chapter of Acts 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. Now, folks, this is a big, big thing right here because I think it's a picture for us as the body of Christ. I think there are people who have been saved, okay? And you cannot be saved without the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be saved without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You're not saved and you don't have the Spirit. Like I've got some uh, friends of mine, some people who believe that. They believe you can be saved, but you don't have the Holy Spirit. No, no. You can be saved uh, only by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells within those who are truly saved. But... With that being said, there is an enduing with power from on high. Okay, There is a pouring forth of the power of the Spirit as He desires. Here they receive the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, I must leave. Remember that? I must depart. The Father's going to give me one that I will give to you. That's one of the like kind. We are three in one. This group receives the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. The last verse we'll look at today, verse 23 of John 20. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now, boy, that's a verse right there that I've seen people do all sorts of contortions to try to explain it. And the problem is they're not looking at the context. Jesus said, I'm sending you forth in the same way that the Father has sent me, in like manner, okay? 
And then he breathes upon them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them, if you forgive somebody their sins, they have been forgiven. This isn't from the point of view of Catholicism where some priest is there and says, you've been absolved of your sins. No, no, no. He's saying this. The Holy Spirit is going to give you wisdom to speak into people's lives. And if someone has repented and confessed, you will be able to tell them that their sins have been forgiven. But if they haven't done that, you'll be able to tell them, no, you are still retaining your sins. Okay, you're retaining your sins. And this isn't like you have to pass through some apostolic gauntlet to prove whether you're saved or not, but it does have to do with what the truth is. There's a lot of people who think they are in right relationship with God and they are not saved. I see it on a regular basis, folks. I see it from people who think they are and who do all sorts of things and great and wonderful deeds and all this kind of stuff. But you can see it. I see it when in the way, oh, I won't even get into this right now. My time's running out. Maybe I'll get into it some other time, okay? But I think the Spirit reveals it to us, not from the point of view of pointing the accusatory finger and saying, you're not saved, but from the point of view of praying for them, from the point of view of speaking the truth, from the point of view of sharing the Scripture, the Word of God, to where they will be rightly saved and not just be playing some pious religious game. It's a powerful passage right here. Uh, go before you uh, recline upon your night bed this evening. Go to John chapter 20 and look at it again, verses 19 through 23. Again, I'm Dale. Uh, as always, I ask you to pass the word about these times together. Get more folks involved with us here, and I'll see you again next time.